0: Hey there, AR Nation. I've got a quick announcement I'd like to share with you. It's about an incredibly powerful, high-ticket marketing community that I'm a proud member of. It's called the Super Affiliate Accelerator. This program's absolutely for you if you want to be successful online. Whether you're a beginner looking to get started with an online business, and also if you already have an online business but struggling to reach your goals. The Super Affiliate Accelerator is run by three experienced and amazing coaches. Between three of them, they've sold millions of dollars in products and services online across all different industries. Why I find the Super Affiliate Accelerator so powerful is because of its unique all-in-one blend of a proven training program, weekly coaching and mentoring from an amazing group of accomplished internet marketers, and a private mastermind community of like-minded and supportive business owners and professionals. For a limited time, the SAA coaches are offering a complimentary business strategy call. So whether you're a coach or consultant if you provide professional services or if you just want to start an online business but you're confused or overwhelmed with where or how to start i invite you to check out this incredible program the super affiliate accelerator and you can learn more today by visiting richardkisten.com forward slash s a a again that's Richardkiston.com forward slash s a a now let's get to today's amazing episode Hey there, friends. How's it going? Welcome back to another episode of the Adulthood Revisited Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Kisson. I am so thankful and so grateful that you're spending your time here with me on the podcast. Truly appreciate it. If you haven't already done so, if you can take a brief moment after this episode, head to where we get your podcast. And if you can share it, subscribe, leave a rating or review, it'll do so much to help the show grow. And again, I genuinely appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Today, I'm super excited to bring on our guest, uh, Christina Campos. She's the founder and principal of the ImpactfulParent.com. She leads a community of parents of, of, of parents of school-age children going through all the problems that you know, maybe you don't realize you get to until you get to them. So, Christina, welcome to the Adulthood Revisit Podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I'm super excited to just get to your story because you... On your website, you, you do a great job actually of sharing a lot of your origin story about what what the community you created helps people with um, and, and what they can find there. But I actually want to ask you to go back a little before that and share your story. You actually have a beautiful video where you talk about what got you to this place. You were dealing with some family issues, you kind of um, maybe struggling to understand what your role is in the world or, or maybe feeling, uh, lost or you, you were spending so much time. It seemed like worrying about other people that you stopped worrying about yourself. So I'd love you if you can take us back to that time. Um, you know, before impactful parent was, was a thing, uh, go back to like when you shared that you were married, had two kids and, you know, things seem to be humming along. So, uh, you know, if you can share a little about your background and what got you there.
1: Yeah, so my story begins with me crying in my closet. And if you're a parent, you know about this place. You have a place in your house where you go and you hide from your children. <laughs> Maybe it's to talk on the phone with your friend so they don't have to hear. Or for me, it's a place where I go and I show my emotions. And for me, so that's my closet. And that's where my story begins really is me crying in my closet. Now, rewind a little bit. And the reason I'm crying in my closet was because I was going through. A major shift in my life. My husband had asked for a divorce, which he did not take lightly. It was really upsetting to me. Um, in addition to all of that, I started to realize that everything was going to flip upside down. I, I had a really storybook like marriage. It was wonderful. We, I met him young. We went to college together. We got married after that. We had four beautiful children, and. And then all of a sudden the ball dropped and I'm realizing at this point, oh my goodness, like I'm going to have to support myself. I'm going to have to um, change everything about how my vision of life was going to be. That's all going to be changed. And through it all, I did realize that I had lost myself in parenthood and by nature, as I went through like this rediscovery process of who I was, it was really hard. I mean, I spent a lot of time sitting there in the mirror, looking at myself going, oh my gosh, how did I get to this? Like, how did this happen? I was in my late thirties at the time. And I'm like, how could I be this old and so lost and confused about where I'm going to be going from here on out? And, um, but you do have to take those times of pivot in your life, and you have some choices to make in those pivot moments. You can either continue to cry in your closet, which you have to do for a while. You got to get those emotions out, but you also have to know when it's time to say, okay, I've, I've let it out. It's time to pick myself up from my bootstraps and figure out how to move forward. The problem was is that when you lose yourself in parenthood, I didn't know where to begin, and I had to start with rediscovering who I am which was very, very difficult. It's a very uh, hopeless. It's a very like, scary, very scary place to be in. And, um, and I think it's super common, especially for stay-at-home parents that don't go to work and have another life outside of their home where outside of parenthood where they kind of can stay grounded and people know them for who they are instead of just being a parent all the time. And so it, I think it's very common, but it doesn't make it any less easy just because it's common. So, but that's kind of where it started. And then I, I had to rebuild um, had to really take some conscious choices on how to shift. Um, and through that process, I realized that I, I, was, I was a giver. I give and I give and I give. And I was a teacher by profession at the time. Um, I've taught for over 20 years. I still continue to substitute teach as much as I can because I love being in the classroom. But I realized that at the end of the day, I could not be a teacher who just shut it all off at four o'clock when the bell rang. And that just wasn't who I was. I also was giving to everybody else that that's kind of how I lost who I was. You know, I'd given to my family, I'd given to my husband, I gave way too much to my students. And now that I was going through this transition, I saw that my, four, well, all four kids, but particularly two of them who are emerging teenagers at the time, they needed me then more than they needed me any other time. We were going to go through a big change. They're going through not only that, but also the big change of being a teenager, which is hard enough as it is, in a good environment and not through a divorce. <laughs> And I had to make that really tough choice of saying, okay, I love this job, but I cannot shut it off. It's not who I am. So I need to stop taking care of everybody else's kids and start focusing on my own. And chose to quit that job, go back to school for a while because I was lost and didn't know what I was going to go do. Um, And then over time, it emerged that I need to make my own schedule. I need to be flexible so I can put my family first. And the only way to do that, because I realized at that point, what am I going to do with my master's degree? I'm going to go work for somebody else. I'm going to be a horrible employee because I'll drop everything now for my children. Like that's not, I mean, I just won't, if they're going to have a bad day, I won't show up. That's going to be bad. (laughs) So so I guess I'm going to have to, Create my own business. And then it caught to the process. Okay, if I'm going to create my own business, what am I going to do? (laughs) What am I good at? What can I, where can I give value to people? And one thing I know is kids. I've been working with them every single day, thousands and thousands of teenagers every day for so long that that's where I thought I could focus my energy and I couldn't take care of the kids because again, I can't shut it off if I do that. But how about I help their parents? So I can take care of the kids still, but now I'm gonna focus on taking care of them from the source, which is from their home. Let's work on the parent-child relationship so that they can have those good, um, those good bonds and that good foundation that they really need. And that sounded really good to me. That's where I was like, that's, that's, that's how I can live authentically and still be able to have time for me and my family. And that's how the Impactful parent emerged.
0: That's super powerful. I appreciate you being so vulnerable and sharing You know that, that a lot of this came out of you know, a dark time. You were getting divorced and whatnot. I, I do want to ask you about this because as you were sharing that story, I couldn't help but wonder, in terms of you as a person, do you think that you would have even thought about how much you were giving, how you were being in the world, sort of selfless with your students, selfless with your kids, selfless with your, uh, your marriage at the time, if it wasn't for the divorce happening? And I ask that because I wonder if, if people who go about their lives and does it take such a dramatic event for them to realize it or were they looking back now, do you think there were opportunities where, that you skipped over or just missed to really think about what how you were being to yourself in your life,
1: I think I needed the the big transition. I really do. Um, but at the same time, my family, because it's not like I was burying myself in work that didn't that wasn't valuable, and I think that's kind of where it uh, the downfall went. Nobody said hey, mom, or whatever, whoever in my life said, you need to stop caring about those kids, right? I mean, no one's going to... Because the work I was doing was admirable, so no one wanted wanted to make me stop doing it. And at the same time, I was neglecting probably where I should have put a little bit more focus, right? It, It needed more balance is what I needed. It's not like I was ignoring my family, but I needed more balance with it because it was not equally teetered. And so... Um, And then nobody was uh, saying anything. So for me, I needed this to happen because no one was going to tell me any other way.
0: When you came to the realization that you know I need something that I can I can design my own business and and whatnot, and you kind of maybe what were the the first iterations of what of what you would think about how you would be helping parents, but also I want to ask you about the business side of it because as you shared. You were an educator for many years and with that comes steady paycheck, The in, in many instances job security, um, although that couldn't that be questionable in some places now. But like you had those things and then to, to go about building your own business, whatever it may be, there's a lot of risk and uncertainty there. So as you were figuring out how could I help people and, and the business part of it, what were you feeling at that time?
1: I was scared to death. <laughs> you know it's scary being an entrepreneur but the difference is that entrepreneurs are scared and they see the vision they see the bigger picture and they can still strive for it and I think that's what really makes a good entrepreneur um but that doesn't mean that you're not afraid like it's scary um and so luckily I felt like the teaching job is very secure for me I speak Spanish so um as Spanish teachers are always in need. And so I felt like that's secure. If this doesn't work out, I can always fall back on that. It, I can go back to I can get a job pretty quickly. I can also substitute teach like I still even do right now um, pretty easily just about anywhere I need to. Again, another profession that's just really easy to, to get a job in. However, that doesn't make a lot of money. So the bar is also set pretty low. I'm like, if I, can, if I can, in my new business, make the same amount of money as I do teaching, which really isn't that hard <laughs> as far as like the bar is low, <laughs> then, but now I'm making my own schedule and it's mine, then I'm going in the right direction. So that's how I viewed it. That was my realistic reasoning of how I can get to the place that I was in. Now, do I want to exceed those expectations? Absolutely. But my bar was, in my own opinion, was kind of low and thinking, I got a secure blanket underneath me that if this doesn't work out, I might go through a rough year, a rough patch, not having too much um, extra funds, but I can get a job. I can, I can abandon it if I have to. Um, and going back to your question about, you know, what was I thinking trying to, to do things as far as like picking, you know, where I was going to focus. Um, I really felt like I, not only my experience played a need to this particular audience of school age parents, but this is where I felt my calling was like, Oh, let's how do I describe this? There's just not enough support for parents that are going through the teenage or tween years. And I say tween years because really, honestly, there can be just as more difficult as the teen years. I think in our generation, we were growing up, uh, the teen years were notorious. But now kids are also experiencing all those teenager feelings and transitioning and all that stuff earlier because of the exposure that they have that we never had when we were growing up. I mean, with the internet and all of the media, we're exposing children earlier and earlier. So the problems are also starting earlier and earlier. So it's, I did not want to say, fo- I didn't want to focus just on teens because I feel like, again, it's it's really school age and whether or not when your child hits some of these more difficult milestones that are gonna happen in their life, I wanted to support you even if you, weren't 13 and you were still only 10 or whatever that might look like. And also when you're babies, when you get pregnant, parents are excited. They're so happy and there's tons of books and you got uh, all these support groups that you can go to, even, even in pregnancy, Lamaze classes and all these things. And even play dates when they 're preschoolers, you go with your child to a play date, you sit there and you talk to the other parents while your children are interacting and then something shifts when they turn school age where now you 're dropping them off at school and you 're not really volunteering there as much as you used to you're you 're definitely not supervising the play dates anymore or the birthday parties you drop them off, and your teenager doesn 't want you hanging around so there becomes a disconnect with other parents. And in fact, it even becomes competitive. Our society has made parents of teenagers more even a competitive nature where it's embarrassing. You kind of get parent shamed when your parent, when your, your teens make a bad choice, and they will because that's part of <laughs> de- developing. But you get embarrassed, and all of a sudden now it's, you know, hey, did, you, did your kid get that acceptance letter for college? Did, how did your kid do this semester in school? And did they make the football team? And it becomes such a competitive thing that you don't always want all your dirty laundry right there with your neighbors. And yet, you still, if, if anything, you even need more support than you ever had before because the issues are bigger and the stakes are higher. And then yet I don't feel like there's not enough places for people to go to. And so when I wanted the impactful parent, I wanted to create a space where parents online, and this was before the COVID thing happened, but it was always intentional to be online where parents could go online and get free tips and advice and resources and paid programs for things that were a little bit more difficult and um, community and support groups that they can join even anonymously so that they could ask the questions that they need answers to without feeling embarrassed and not feel like they're that Karen across the street knows everything that's happening in the house because it's embarrassing but they needed a place to to get the support and to get the answers that they need or and I am saying answers really loosely I hate actually saying that word so I'm going to retract it because parenting doesn't really have answers <laughs> Okay, if it if it did, there'd be a manual. (laughs) So it's, it's a trial and error. And my approach to it is that, you know, if the more tips and advice you can get, then it's going to make your journey a little bit easier, because it is trial and error. And what works for your first child may not even work for your second child, let alone your third or your fourth. (laughs) And you're just trying all these different things to figure out what's gonna be the best thing. And you need that. The more tips you can get, the more support, the more people can say, I understand I'm in the same predicament. It just makes that journey worth going through. Now you have the support that you need to be the best, most impactful parent that you can be.
0: When you identify this gap for school-age, parents of school-age children, because you have the experience as an educator and maybe from the outside looking in, you saw what was going on. Were there any experiences that parents shared with you for students you taught or maybe, maybe events in your own life with your own kids where, let me take a step back because I don't have children. So I'm, I'm just trying to put myself in the place. Like what would somebody be thinking and feeling that you know they feel whether it's alone disconnected um and it, it I, I get it like you had a role and then that role whether it evolved diminished and you're just not sure who to turn to and you don't want anyone judging you your neighbors or what the case is but i when you interacted with parents of school age children or again even in your own life were there specific events that if if maybe you can share where you look back and like this is where I felt so again, maybe it's disconnected alone and that you wish you had someone there to talk to you about it.
1: I think that I can't, think of a specific event because it just is consistent and constant. Whether or not your child is, um, I worked a lot in gifted education, like a lot, lot, lot in gifted education. And those kids are extremely bright, but they also come with a lot of high sensitivities. They come with perfectionism. They come with um, some autism sometimes. Um, They come with overanalyzing everything. I mean, so it's and it 's constant, those things don't i can 't think it's not a particular incident like you're saying, um, but the issues it always ebbs and flows there's there's always times when it's going fine and then things just crash and down on you um and your family and and then it kind of gets okay again um, but I feel like my I teach three pillars of what I feel every child needs. And it's not even every child, it's every person. And usually the things that happen in the disruption and that happens with children in their world, it's because one of these three pillars is not being met. And those three pillars are security, acceptance, and power. And I'll explain those really quick to you because I think they get really misunderstood. Security: Kids need to feel like they are physically safe, right? They need to know that, and this is primal because it's like, "Hey, I live in a caveman cave, and the bear's not going to come and eat you. I got you." Like securely, secure and safe, but not just secure and safe and physically, but also secure in their love. That. No matter what, you're going to love them. You will love them through thick and thin, that you're going to love them if they disagree with you, that you're going to love them if they're not the perfect straight A student. They need to feel very secure in your love. And then even the best kids will test this from time to time, even subconsciously, to make sure that you, they really are secure in love with you. The second one, acceptance, is a little bit different because they need you to accept them for the person that they are. So sometimes, uh, the difference here is that sometimes with security and love, we tell our kids, we love you, we love you, and they know that we love them. But sometimes we don't always accept them for who they are. And you see this a lot. um, The most obvious is children who identify with the LGBTQ community, where sometimes their, their parents do not accept them, or they feel like their parents do not accept them for who they are. They might love them, but they're not accepting them. So it is a little bit different. They need to know that no matter what and how they choose to be when they grow up or whatever it is that they're becoming, they're going to be accepted by their by their parents or by anybody, really. They need to be accepted by friends too. Um, and then the third one is power. And this one's the mis- most misunderstood one, that people in general, but kids, they need to know that their existence matters in the world, that somebody would miss them if they were gone, and that they are not powerless to their environment. So um, they need to know that they have a sense of purpose, like there's an influence that they can have in the world. When they feel powerless, powerless turns to hopelessness hopelessness turns to depression, and depression turns to uh, self-harm. So this power one is really important. It's that feeling of, I have some kind of control over my environment and where I am. Um, And again, this is a lot of times really difficult for that parent who is a little too overbearing and doesn't give their kid any choice. Like, no, you're going to be this and you're going to go and do this and you're going to be a straight-a student. and You're going to go to Harvard and they don't have any control over their own life and it gets them hopeless. Um, But the best way to alleviate the hopelessness is just to give your child choices. And I'm not saying like let them run amok because kids need boundaries. The boundaries is what creates the security. That's number one, right? But the um, but they need choices within those boundaries. So for a teenager, that might be like, okay, I'm sorry that you cannot uh, go out and see your friends right now because I'm trying to keep you safe and secure. So I'm putting a boundary on that. But what can I give you choice on? You know, can we can we do some kind of Zoom? Um, something where you can see your friends over online? Can we arrange something in the park where we can do a socially distanced outing so that you can see your friends there in a safe way? Giving them choices so that they have some kind of control of their own environment, their own life, and not feel so hopeless. Um, I hope I under- like, described that well.
0: <laughs> no, absolutely. I, I've never again, I'm not a parent, but it's, it's stuff. I, I was thinking, as you were sharing that, I was thinking of my own childhood. And now I've been blessed, like my, my parents, I'm first generation American. And so I, I often think about the way they view the world and the way they view parenting. Um, security was number one, but like you said, it was almost physical security was the only thing was the, the dominant thought. There was not, nothing else about, or we never had conversations about acceptance and uh, control was always, and power was a big i think clash between myself and my parents about making choices and doing the things that I want to do and, and at what point can I have volition uh, so I think that that was that those three pillars are are really powerful, especially and i 'm just saying this blanketly uh, I think for people like me, first generation Americans who come from a diff whose families and lineages are different places, different times where like the roles of men and women and children are significantly different from what they are here in the United States. Um, so that was pretty cool. I do want to talk to you about the tr- like the parents that do show up to the impactful parent. Um, maybe from the, a, a top level view, what do you think are the questions um, that people have, parents have with school-aged children that they are asking themselves that ultimately lead them to finding and connecting with the impact parent.
1: Yeah, they're asking, um, why is my kid angry all the time and blowing up at me and yelling and becoming disrespectful? Or they're saying, why is my child um, developing anxiety and withdrawing and hiding in their room and refusing to talk to me anymore? Um, those are all symptoms of usually one, either one of these three pillars, right? Not being met or or something else happening. Um, but those are symptoms and parents see the symptom and then it's, it's such a hard thing for them to see the cause. Um, and that's what happens all, all the time, all the time, all the time. Um, especially let's say for anger, for example, um, you have a child who's really angry, seems to be, Fuse is short, blowing up all the time, get in trouble at school, starting to get into fights. Um, now you're worried every time the phone rings that it's the school again. Okay, I get it. <laughs> so I've actually been there, so I know. And um, and again, they want to fix the symptom, kind of like taking some medicine, like let's, let's get rid of the anger. But really, in order to get rid of the anger, you have to figure out why they're angry. And so that's where I would come in and help you figure out why why is your child angry? Why are they doing those things? Because anger is just a tip of the iceberg, literally. Like if you envision an iceberg in the water, you see the anger on the top of the surface. That's the anger. But underneath the water is so many other things. They might be scared because somebody is um, bullying them at school. And so they're taking it out, you know, at home. They could be worried that they're not hitting expectations and they're starting to get behind in school. And again, it comes out in anger. Kids go through these fight or flight modes and fight is the anger. That's the kid who's trying to mask what's really happening and why they're so uh, turmoiled inside. It comes out in the anger. Um, So it's about, working with a coach or a healthcare professional to end in figuring out how can we make you more comfortable? How can we f- make these three pillars underneath the water so that the anger can go away?
0: That actually segues beautifully into the, the next question I had that, that comes from that, which is the, the community in the impactful parent, when they come in, they may be asking these questions, which are of symptoms, but again, from maybe from the top down, looking at the community and how, how people engage with each other, um, what do you think parents who end up there discover about whether it's themselves or their relationship with their kids that they otherwise didn't think of to begin
1: with? That it's not just their child usually, that they have some kind of involvement in it. I think that's most of the parents hit an aha moment at some point that says, oh my gosh, I have been contributing to this and I didn't even know. Um, For example, that power thing, Um, I get a lot of parents who are like, well, I don't want to let them do, I'm not going to let them go out and make those bad choices because they're going to get hurt. I'm not going to let my child go get hurt. I love them. Why would I let them do that? And they mask their choices in love because that's where it's coming from. You don't want your child to be hurt. You don't want them to to go through something bad. You don't want them to experience either physical or even emotional pain. Those are hard things, and you try to avoid that as parents. But in the end, if you're suffocating your child and you're not letting them make the choices that they want and you're not giving them any control over what they can do, part of growing up is making those mistakes. And as parents, we need to just support our kids when they do fall because it's going to happen. Be there to help them understand why the choice they made is the bad one, or, or maybe they could have made a better choice. What can they do next time? And those are the skills that I'm teaching the parents how to do is how, how to come back and talk to their child so that they can all learn together over the experience that happened and then grow from it versus and then realize, yeah, like it's going, going back to that, realizing, oh man, it's because I've been holding on too tight. Like, or another, there's other obviously other reasons too but in that in that um, example and that's that's kind of what they need a lot of parents get they get the aha oh no I've been contributing to this a little bit
0: that's it's I, I always in person I just like doing a lot of into personal growth and self-help and, and reading all the books and all the courses and it it's so funny that um, that example you gave of the iceberg it, it, it tends to be always the case that we we deal with symptoms and think that the symptom is a problem but really there's all this stuff underneath that we don't recognize and um you know yeah like you should i I always knew in thinking about like in my parents and the way they really controlled you got to be home and no you're not going to go to birthday you're not going to play basketball or baseball whatever it is it was that just they they felt that they were doing the job protecting it took me to get to now to realize that because i was so upset I was like, ah, let me just go to my friend's house. I just want to go play baseball for, for school. Like, what's the big deal? But uh, yeah, it came from a place of uh, unwittingly just that's what they, they connected protection and love with, uh, making sure I didn't fall down and scrape myself. Um,
1: and they loved you. That's why they did that. So, I mean, you can't fault them for that. And I'm not trying to fault my parents either. You know, it's we all do it. But when you realize that sometimes the choices that we're making is coming from love, then then what you need to do is more discuss that with your child and say, look, I'm putting this boundary out because this is where I'm coming from. And when you start having the discussion, especially with your older children who can really follow along with you because they're a teenager or so, you know, and say, this is why that boundary is set. This is what I'm afraid of. And when you are admitting that you're afraid of something, now at least you can own the choices that, and the boundaries that you're setting. And I think sometimes we don't do that. We just say, no, you can't do that because I know better. And that's really frustrating for a child where if now they understand, okay, my mom's really worried about me and she doesn't want me to stay past, out past midnight because from her experience, nothing good happens after midnight, right? She's worried about me. I don't, just, I don't agree with that as a teenager. I don't agree with that. That's stupid. But at least I understand where she's coming from. How can I work with her now?
0: If you can share a little about the resources and the community inside Impactful Parent, like how how specifically do do you and the community work and help parents? Um, I know, I, I think I saw resources for aid programs, um, community in there. So maybe if you can share a little about what exactly the Impactful Parent community is like.
1: Yeah, it's super easy. Well, first of all, you you start off by just following me on social media, um, on you know Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever it is. I'm on everything. Um, I also have a podcast that you can follow, Impactful Parenting, um, and that's where you're going to get all your free tips, and you're going to get so much great advice and different things there. Um, and then when you're ready, you go to the website. And you pick up freebies, I have so many freebies. I have freebies on how to set up your school at home. I have freebies on, actually I have a freebie on what every child needs that's on my website. So you can go home after this, listening to this podcast. And um, it's questions that you can start asking your child to see if they truly feel secure, accepted, and have power. And if they don't, now you know that there's a hole there that you can fill. Um, so I have all kinds of freebies on the website. But basically, um, my website is divided into three parts. you got like the main website. And then you have the behavior section and you have a communications section. Um, and the other side of that is the behavior management that I, I help parents with where you can take a, it's a paid course, but it's uh do-it-yourself or you can every, I think it's like twice a year I launch it. With, um, with me a part of it so that we can do it as a group and I can help you. And those help kids with, um, with anger management issues, with anxiety, that's where I was talking about where we discover why is your child feeling like this and then teaching you how to teach your child how to control those, those emotions because they're really big emotions. And so you can't make anger or anxiety go away, but what you can do is learn how to deal with it better until it's manageable. And so that's what I teach in that course. I do a drugs management course too, how to search for drugs if you're worried about that, just so you could sleep better at night, <laughs> just so that you can find something if you need it, need to because you're worried. Or just to even learn about drugs before you need it is really important. Um, but it's really mainly about following and then taking the courses if you'd like to see it really good it's easy
0: so easy <laughs> Super awesome I appreciate you sharing it I, I want to ask you about particularly right now in the context we're in COVID-19 and the shift uh whether you know a lot of parents having to move to virtual learning or, or students learning from home and the challenges that have brought are there or have have you seen an increase or you know Conditions, challenges that have been brought up uniquely as a result of COVID that parents in the group have expressed?
1: Oh, there's so many challenges right now with us. I mean... <laughs> I'm going to go back just because I've already talked about it. It comes from a lot of our, our power. We're most of us, even adults, right? We're really frustrated right now because our power has been taking away, been taken away. And you got to imagine that as adults, we have more power than even our children or our teenagers do. So, um, the, I see kids acting out because they can't go see their friends because there's been boundaries put on that. I see kids acting out because they can't, um, socially interact the way they need to, which is really developmentally appropriate for let's say a teenager who's trying to navigate their way through adulthood and learn how to do that. And they can't because they're stuck at home um, with very limited interaction and experiences. (laughs) And that's how you learn is through social interaction, you know, by getting a boyfriend and figuring that out and having heartbreak and, you know, all the things. So much disappointment in no proms, no homecomings, no graduations, um, all these things that kids that are really important to children, sporting events, after school activities, all gone. Um, How disappointing is that when that's thinking in a child's perspective, that's really what you live for. That's what you look forward to every single day. And now it's gone and you can't do it. And more than anything, when's it coming back? and now the adults in their world can't really tell them, and they can't put a timestamp stamp on it. And sometimes it's given back to them for like a few months, and then we take it away again, because now we're back into a... I mean, how frustrating is that? So keep that in mind as adults, we're frustrated. Your children who have less power, so much frustration there too. And to have some empathy with that, um, and that's not even touching on how difficult it is for them to still perform well in an environment that makes them sit at a screen all day long and learn and be engaged, and yet after that's over, they're told you're having too much screen time. <laughs> so I—it's mean, just like this horrible oxymoron we're all in right now. Um, you know, and, and so many of these young people now decompress by using social media to connect with their friends because they can't see them in person. But now we're telling them, well, you've been on your screen all day long. Don't, can you get off your phone? Well, how awesome am I supposed to see my friends? Like that's like the highlight of my day. Um, so just having that perspective, I think is really important.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, like you st- sort of intimated frustrations abound but it it can be again i'm not a parent but you can easily see how it's easy to say like dismiss the frustrations of of a child um in light of what's going on um and something to be cognizant i want to sort of start wrapping up with asking you this this question and I this is coming out of the blue if you were to share from from your experience as an educator and also as a founder of The Impactful Parent, especially right now as we're talking about this conversation, COVID and, and people having to work and, and do school from home, if you would encourage parents listening to this conversation right now to have, to have a conversation with the kids, what question or two would you encourage parents to ask their children to start that conversation? If, if there, there are leading questions that you think would be super powerful and helpful.
1: It's easy, just why? Why? Why are you feeling like that? Why tell me tell me more? Um, I see that you're really upset. Can you can you explain that to me? Um I think we just need to listen and ask why and say and ask give them the opportunity to to explain their behavior and explain their choices and explain their thoughts and With that, then you can take that information and and understand your child better and help them make a better choice for next time. And it just, when you begin a conversation with listening instead of talking, it's much more productive and it comes from a place where you're showing them that security and that acceptance we were talking about before. Um, instead of thinking that we know everything. Because we don't know what's in our child's brain. And so let's just ask them, what do you, why? Explain to me why you made that choice. (laughs) Because we think it's like, come on. That was, whatever. That was, I know in your brain, that was stupid. Why would they do that? Like, I know. (laughs) But ask them, what was your reasoning? Why did you do that? Can you explain what led you up to making that choice and maybe you'll be surprised with the answer and maybe you won't but at least it's coming now from a different place of of love than just shutting it down and saying that was stupid go to your room
0: (laughs) that that's super impactful i mean again i'm not a parent but even just everything you've shared in this conversation is so insightful so so empowering really um I, I feel empowered that if, if and when I have children, I'm, re- I'm ready for it, at least a little, a little step more. And I know the parents that are listening to this conversation uh, can walk away feeling more empowered and ready um, to have better relationships with their children. So, Christina Campos, I really super appreciate you coming onto the podcast and sharing your knowledge. Uh, I'll link up all, of, all the social media. You can connect with Christina or at theimpactfulparent.com. Uh, where she has links to all of her resources, all of the freebies, uh, link Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. It'll all be in the show notes. Uh, and also you can connect with her podcast, The Impactful Parenting, mm-hmm. I think is what it's called. Uh, so definitely link that up in the show notes. Christina Campos, thank you so much. And if I can ask you as we, as, as we wrap up, if you have any final parting words for the audience.
1: You got this. I'm just here to help you.
0: Again, thank you so much. Super powerful. Christina Campos of theimpactfulparent.com. And with that, AeroNation, until next time, take care, be well, bye for now. Hey there, AeroNation. Before we go, I wanted to remind you of the Super Affiliate Accelerator. Whether you're looking to get started with an online business or if you're struggling to see the traction you've been hoping for in your current online business, the Super Affiliate Accelerator can help you see the success that you want in your business and in your life. The Super Affiliate Accelerator is an all-in-one, high-ticket marketing community where you'll get access to proven training weekly coaching and mentoring from seasoned and accomplished marketers who sold millions of dollars in products and services online as well as access to a private mastermind community of like-minded and supportive business owners and professionals right now the SAA coaches are offering a free complimentary business strategy call so if you're ready to build a strong and profitable online business and brand Take advantage of the complimentary business strategy call today and learn more about the Super Affiliate Accelerator by visiting richardkisten.com forward slash S-A-A.